This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. This morning, if you have a Bible, you can look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 with us. We're going to look at uh, chapter 2, verse 17, through chapter 3, verse 5. This summer, we're walking through Paul's letter to the Thessalonians and seeing how he's teaching us that when we follow Jesus, we are choosing to follow another king. And this morning, we'll see what he teaches us about how when we're called to Jesus, it makes us a connected community. And that connection is something God has created us for. It's also something that our enemy will try to destroy and take away from us. And because it's how we were made and because it's part of what Christ has provided for us, that connection is something we have to fight for. Now, we all know uh, that life is better with friends, right? I mean, I, when I think of my life and, and think of the friends I've had throughout life, uh, I'm just really, really grateful. You know, I think of the friendship I have with my wife, with my uh, brothers and sisters, even with my parents now in this new stage of life where you get to, they finally stop bossing you around, you know, and uh, you just get to be friends with them. Um, maybe you haven't quite hit there yet. If you're a teenager, you're not there yet, so don't expect that from your parents. They're still supposed to boss you around. Uh, but eventually you get there, and it's, it's really, really enjoyable. And, and I'm so thankful that God has given me friends, uh, like buddies from college, that I can call and and it's like, uh, like we're just pick up right where we left off. You know, even though we've been out of college for uh, longer than I would care to to remember, um, it's still it's still really fun and really enjoyable. And and God's given me friends that I can talk about really serious things about marriage, about parenting, about God and work issues and all these things. He's given me friends that I can talk about not so serious things like uh, is Paul George going to stick around for more than one year? Um, which depending on which friend group I'm talking to, that's a non-serious or a very serious conversation. Uh, but it, but it's just enjoyable. And you know from your own experience, I know from my experience, life is better with friends. Right? It makes the good things more enjoyable, and it makes the bad times more bearable when you're surrounded by people. Paul had this experience with the Thessalonians. And if you remember, he, was, he planted the church, he develops this really close relationship with them, and then due to some circumstances beyond his control, there's some rioting in the city, there's a threat of persecution for these new believers, and Paul's forced to leave town in the middle of the night. His connection with them was so strong that he longed to get back to them. And in this passage we're reading this morning, we, we get a glimpse of just how close of a friendship, how dear of a relationship Paul had with the Thessalonians. So if you have a Bible, we're going to read that together. If not, it'll be on the screens for you. Starting in verse 17, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, Out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service and spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent out to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. 
Now remember, Paul's teaching us in 1 Thessalonians that when we surrender to Jesus, we are brought into a new kingdom where he is the one who's in charge, the one who's overall. But as you work your way through, through this letter, you see again and again, Paul doesn't use kingdom language, but instead he uses family language to describe our relationship with each other. He talks about mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers, pointing us to this fact that we're not just fellow citizens, but we are family members. In this portion of the letter, he's telling the Thessalonians exactly how much he misses them, and he uses the word orphaned. He says, remember when we were separated, when we were orphaned from you. Now, the strength of that word is one we understand. To be an orphan is to be alone, it's to be uncertain, it's to be cut off, it's to be full of sorrow because you've lost one of life's most essential relationships. And this is not the language you use for casual acquaintances or people you just see once a week at church. This is how you speak to your best friends. This is how you talk to your family members. This is the the loss you would feel when you're separated from those you love. Now, if you've ever been in that situation, maybe you had a a long-distance relationship with your spouse before you got married, or maybe you have a job that causes you to travel a lot, or you have a kid that moved to the other side of the world. If you're in those situations, you know the, the loss that you feel when someone you love is absent for an extended period of time. Now, technology has in some ways, diminish that, right? Because we can text constantly, we can uh, email, and we can, we can call, and we're not worrying about 99 cents a minute for long distance anymore, right? You remember those days, um, or more. Uh, we can FaceTime, like I can be on the other side of the world, uh, hiking in the mountains in India, and I can FaceTime my wife and kids while they sit in our living room in Tulsa. And it's amazing, and it's awesome, but, but what you've experienced, if you've ever had those prolonged absences from people you care about is while that form of communication is good, it just can't ever replace that be with factor of someone you really care about, right? There is just, it's, it's great. You can stay connected. You can stay up to date with their life, but there, there's just something lacking when you can't be physically with them and in the same space and sharing the same stories and eating meals together and just kind of a, a relaxed conversation. And when you begin to, to miss that, you begin to understand what Paul is feeling here. It's this intense longing, this acknowledgement that that God has created us for it. And so if God made us for this connection with each other, then it makes sense that when it's missing, we're going to feel it, right? It is not a flaw in Paul's character that he feels such a deep sense of loss at his separation from the Thessalonians. Rather, it's a testimony that he has been created and made in the image of God, renewed by Christ, not only for his relationship with the Lord, but for his connection to his brothers and sisters. And when that's gone, he misses it. And so what what I think that should cause us to stop and consider this morning is that perhaps those feelings of loneliness and isolation are not proof that something's wrong with you. They're not proof that the whole world's against you. They're not proof that everyone's forgotten you. But but maybe, maybe those feelings are gifts of grace from God to you, given to reveal that you are not living in the fullness of life Christ has come to offer you. When we're missing that connection, we're supposed to feel it. 
When we're missing that connection and we don't care, it doesn't mean that we've achieved some superior level of existence. It means we're broken, right? You were not made to be independent. Throughout the scriptures, how do they talk about the church? We're a temple made out of living stones. We're a body made up of many members. We're a family with equal concern for one another. At no point do we raise up except for the few superheroes who really can do it all by themselves. And so when you feel those intense feelings of separation, don't let it drive you to desperation, but let it drive you to God's plan for your life. And his plan is for you to be connected with each other. And when you begin to experience that connection with others as God enables it, you begin to discover a fullness of life that brings life and hope and healing to you in every moment. And this past week, Angie and I, we, uh, so we joke a lot that we have a lot of friends and then uh, we have a, a smaller group of friends that we would call like our messy house friends, right? These are the people that, and now you do the same thing, right? You invite someone over, but at a scheduled time, so you can, if you have a house, so you can mow the lawn, you can clean the stuff. Uh, if you've got little boys like we do, so you can scrub the toilet, right? You just got to make sure everything's good because company's coming. And then you've got that small group of friends that's just like, hey, just come over. And first, early in that friendship, you apologize for the mess of like, sorry, the house is a mess. And eventually you just stop apologizing, right? And it's just like, this is who we are. So, so this last week, Angie was getting dinner ready and we were going to, going to grill. And she told me she had bought some extras. I was like, well, just call them and, and have them come over. And so they came over. There was no, the, the yard honestly was a little long. It bothered me. Um, but, but we did it anyways. Um, and they, they came, they just hang out. There was no structure. There was no, like, it's, it's have your friends over, eat good food, have a good time, hung out for several hours. And when they left, I told Angie, like, I, I kind of feel like we had a mini vacation tonight. Like for this little, you know, I'd worked that day. I was going to work the next day. We're still recovering from a week of camp. All of these things are going on. But, but for this little three-hour block, no worries at all. No cares in the world. Why? Because of that connection you feel with each other. Because it's a very natural, you know the difference between people you're friendly with and people you're friends with. And when you are deep friends with someone and you can lay down that guard and totally be yourself, right? When I can, uh, you know, now, when I can say things and I don't have to apologize to them, like, sorry, I'm a pastor, I shouldn't, you know, when I, but when I can just be myself and I know they're going to be gracious towards me, right? And they're not getting on their phone to text someone like, you want to believe what our pastor just said, he, you know, they, but just... That space is so safe and so life-giving. And for Angie and I, if that were to suddenly be removed from our life, we would feel orphaned. We would feel immense loss, right? And this is exactly what Paul is describing here. People his heart had become bound to. He had been separated from. Why had he been separated from? Well, Acts 17 tells us a story, and, and what we learn is it wasn't necessarily God's plan to drive Paul out of Thessalonica. He has to leave his dear friends because of the actions of sinful and jealous men. They don't like the story of Jesus. They don't like the following that is coming around it, and so they organize themselves. They begin to riot, and they, the result is Paul is driven away from his friends. But because of this loss, he wants to maintain his connection. But in the next section, he points us towards this idea that Satan seeks to destroy 
that connection. He says in verse 18, we wanted to come to you. Certainly I did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. Now listen, if, if God makes us to be connected with each other, if this is how we were created, then it only makes sense that Satan would try to destroy those connections. Right? He tried to destroy the relationship between Paul and the Thessalonians. When he says Satan blocked our way, we don't know exactly what he meant. There, there are two main theories. The first is that Satan blocked Paul from returning to Thessalonica because if you remember back in Acts 17, the believers are arrested and they have to post bond to get out of jail. And so one theory is that part of the condition of their posting bond is that Paul leaves town and doesn't cause any more trouble in Thessalonica. So the believers have put up their property, their money, their livelihoods as their bond to get out of prison. And so now Paul is legally prevented from coming back to Thessalonica. The other theory is that, you know, Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh, this weakness that he has. Most people think it's some form of physical disability. And so it's possible it's either a legal barrier or it's a physical disability that prevents Paul from coming back. But either way, Paul makes it very, very clear. It is the devil himself that is keeping me separate from you. Now, here's where I think it's important for us to pay attention. Increasingly, American Christians are okay with the positive side of the supernatural. The idea of God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, angels, forces for good, these types of things. But we are becoming more and more uncomfortable with the idea of a real personal evil, of Satan himself, of demons, of hell. These things are becoming less and less talked about. And so it's, it's easy for us, and, and you see it even when we try to explain the bad things that happen in our world, right? We never, rarely will you hear someone just say, it's just the result of sin and the enemy, Right, but, but every disease, we're going to point to diet, we're going to point to this, we're going to point to that. Every natural disaster, we're going to point to these man-made causes. Every bad relationship, we're going to point to it's his fault, it's her fault, it's their parents' fault, it's their kids' fault. We're always looking to assign blame. But what Paul is making clear to us here is the underlying issue for every relational difficulty you have is that the devil wants to destroy your connections to each other. And until we begin to grasp this point, we're going to keep losing a battle to an enemy we don't even acknowledge. But he makes it tremendously clear. I mean, all through the scriptures, from Genesis to Jesus to Revelation, is this idea that God has a plan and the enemy is setting out to destroy it at every turn. And so if God's plan is for you to be connected to others, then Satan is going to try to block your way. He's going to try to prevent it. Now, how does he do that? How exactly does he do it? And when, when I was thinking about this this week and praying about it, I think there's a, a couple ways, especially in our, in our specific context, that the devil tries to destroy our connections with each other. The first one is he blocks our way through busyness. Right? You, like, we even sit here this morning, you're like, man, I... I need to make sure I go to lunch with that. You know, you're looking across the room, you're thinking about people and thinking, yeah, I I like them. They're my friends. We haven't hung out though in like four years. You know, we should probably do something about that. And so here's, here's what'll happen. You'll maybe catch them after service or you'll text your friend tomorrow and be like, you guys want to come over for dinner this week? Yeah, absolutely. What day? How about Tuesday? No, Tuesday's no good. 
kids have sports. How about Wednesday? No, Wednesday's no good. I got to work with Thursday, Friday. And, and before you know it, you're into the middle of September and you finally picked a date that you can actually go and do something, right? And, and we get so busy that it's hard for us to actually know people and to actually have friends. There's been a lot of, you can read a lot of sociologists writing talking about the, you know, how uh, air conditioning and garages have killed more friendships in neighborhoods than anything else. And I'm as guilty, especially this time of year, right? Like it's, it's 110 degrees when I'm pulling in in the evening and I see my neighbor out and he looks like he's about to die mowing his grass. And it's just like a quick wave from inside the tinted windows and then right into the garage, close the door and run into the air conditioning before I've soaked through my shirt. Right? But, but we've lost it. We're so busy, we don't have time to have real friends. The other challenge, I think, and, and these are ways like, you know, it's not like the enemy is turning your friends into little demons to destroy your relationships. He's just doing it through the, the natural inclinations you have. We have natural inclinations towards laziness. Like it's, it's hard to have friends. And for most of us, if you're in school right now, you should enjoy it because this is actually the easiest time in your life to build really good friends. You are forced to go hang out with people your age for a significant chunk of your time, and you develop those friendships. Later in life, though, you just, it becomes hard. And you kind of look back with nostalgia, like, oh, my high school buddies, my college buddies, or, or maybe you've moved recently, and you think about the people in your old hometown, and you just think, it'll never be like that, so we'll just settle for you know, knowing a few people. My technology, I think, is another way that Satan blocks our way. And this one is a little more subtle, because we now are connected to more people than ever, right? Like I can tell you the details of some of the guys I went to high school. I can tell you the details of their life, even though I haven't talked to them since May of 2000. But I could tell you who they're married to and how many kids they have. And, you know, I could, I could tell you about a lot of people. And for some of us, I think we trick ourselves into thinking that knowing about people is the same as knowing them. And we feel like we're connected, but in reality, we're, we're a mile wide and an inch deep. And we can tell people all sorts of things through social media and through posts and pictures, but we tell no one really the depths of our heart and the problems that we're having. And, in, and then the last way I think Satan blocks our way is just through the, the dysfunction of our own lives. You know, maybe for, for many of us, we have not grown up with a, a model of healthy friendship. You know, if, if you grew up, guys especially, if you grew up with a dad and you can't tell me this morning your dad's three best friends, it's probably hard for you to then have close male friends because you just never saw that modeled for you. Right? If, same thing with, with women. If, if you never saw mom with a, a group of friends around her, maybe you can't model that. If you grew up in a house that was just full of drama, if, you, if your high school experience was mean girls right? Then maybe you're just, you don't want any part of that. And so in this brokenness and dysfunction, we kind of decide friends aren't worth the mess. They're not worth the effort. And we just give up. And in the middle of that, we're not even acknowledging it's the devil himself working to prevent our connection to each other. But again, if we were made for this, if this is how God has created us, then we have to fight when the enemy tries to separate us. When we begin to feel that drift apart, we have to be intentional to push back together. This is what Paul models for us. He says, when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. 
We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service and spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. Paul fought for his connection to his friends. In the midst of severe persecution, of suffering, he wanted to make sure they were doing well. He wanted to make sure their faith was thriving, that they were not being taken away from their connection with the Lord or their connection with each other. He wanted to encourage them, to strengthen them, to comfort them. He couldn't make it, so he sends Timothy in his place. When he couldn't stand to be separated any longer, what did he do? He did something about it. Right? He didn't just think, well, this is just the way it is. That relationship must have just been for a certain season. And so God bless the Thessalonians. I'm going to go on and, and make some new friends. But he fought for it. Right? He fought for that connection. And this is where we have to really kind of buckle down and determine if this is God's plan for me, am I going to live in it or not? In his grace, God has provided all you need to be restored with him and to be restored with each other. But we still live in a world that's affected by sin. And so while we long for God to just he, he, solve our relationships with each other the same way he solves our relationship with him, what we discover is that in our relationships with others, our old ways of living and interacting combine with their old ways of living and interacting, and it can become difficult. Right? But every true friendship goes through these seasons where you fight for it where you determine you're kind of annoying, but that's okay, right? Or you let me down, but that's okay. We're going to push through it. We're going to fight through it. And now what I see, especially at times uh, with people of all ages, children, teenagers, I mean, we see it at Royal Family Kids Camp. We're going to see it in two weeks at, or one week at our camp. We see it uh, with men and women of all ages, is that everyone has this longing to be accepted as a friend. But not everyone is willing to do the work of being a friend. Right? And, and if you've ever been a teacher or a parent, you've said these words to a child at some point. To make friends, you have to be a friend. Right? And, and what you're telling them is you can't just sit around, like if you're a kid at recess, you can't stand in the corner and stare at your shoes and be mad that no one will talk to you. Get out there and play. Get out there and do something, right? But uh, So we tell that to kids, and then we go on living the rest of our life this way. We come into a worship service, we sit, we sing, we stand, we leave, and we go out looking at our shoes thinking, nobody invited me to lunch. Nobody invited me to their home group. Nobody wanted to sit by me. You know, I mean... <laughs> I, am, I don't get many of them, and the people who send them aren't here anymore. So. But sometimes I get emails, and people hear me stand up on a Sunday and talk about how much I love Christian Chapel and how deep my relationships are and how these are my dearest friends in the world. And they come here for six weeks, and then they leave, and they say, nobody invited me to lunch. It's like, I, I'm the only one who saw you because you came in 10 minutes late and you left five minutes early. How are we supposed to do that? Like, I just want those relationships you have. I'm like, I've been here 12 years, 12 years, 
12 years of calling people and saying, do you want to go to lunch? 12 years of saying, hey, let's make an effort. 12 years of being a home group leader. 12 years of being here every Sunday. Three years of being here twice every Sunday. I'm here. That's why I have friends, right? If you want friends, show up and speak up. Fight for your connection. Stop acting like the little puppy in the pound who just sits there while people pace back and forth thinking, pick me, pick me, pick me. They're not going to pick you, right? They want the dog that's jumping up, ready to play ball. That's how you pick a dog at the pound. Everybody knows that, right? You don't want the one skulking in the corner. You have to put him on. Yeah, you know this. Paul fights for his connection. He says, I couldn't get there myself, so I sent Timothy. Timothy is his right-hand man. Timothy's the one who Paul says is like a son to him. Paul is in a position of relational strength, and he reaches out to those in a position of weakness. He leverages the blessings God has given to him for the sake of those who are coming behind him. He says, I care about you, I love you, and I need to know how you're doing. And so he makes this effort to reach out. You and I are called to the same thing. To experience the fullness of life that God has for us is not just to have powerful individual spiritual experiences with him, but it is to be connected to each other. This is why we do church picnics. It's why we do home groups. It's why we encourage you to serve at Royal Family. It's why we're doing kids camp in a couple weeks. It's why they're out on the senior trip right now. These are relational moments. Right? It, sometimes we, we get it backwards in church and we think if we didn't read a scripture and sing a song and pray, we didn't actually have church. But sometimes the holiest thing we can do is just sit across the table and enjoy good food and have good conversations and let God bind our hearts together just as he's bound our hearts to him. And if you lack those friendships, it's a sign that God is still calling you to himself, still calling you into the fullness of life. It's not another wait for you to leave with this morning, but it's an encouragement knowing if God has created me this way, then he's going to provide the opportunity for me to experience it. But it just might require a little bit of effort and a little bit of work on your part. And when we begin to live this way, this connected community is transformational for us. But not just for us here on the inside, it's transformational for those on the outside as well. You know, I love the the stories that I hear and that I see of friendship at work at Christian Chapel. I mean, I I know you well enough. I can tell this story. Is that okay? Yeah. So Miss Carol lost her son on Thursday morning. He died on Thursday, died in Missouri. No parent wants that call, right? She was having breakfast with a friend who brought her straight to my office. We talked about it. She had to get to Missouri within 30 minutes. A longtime friend of hers from Christian Chapel, her and her husband, they had picked up Carol. They were driving to Missouri. They spent the whole day with her. Yesterday, surrounded by friends. The weeks to come, surrounded by friends. I mean, she's been here for 30 years. But this is, we're not just friends, we're family. When family hurts, we care for each other. We walk with each other. It's transformational. It's not just, I know your favorite color and your favorite food. It's, hey, in the darkest valley, I'm going to walk with you. Right? I get to see it every time a, a child is born to a couple at Christian Chapel, and I can go visit them, and they begin to tell me the stories of everyone who's come. 
every time we do a wedding, I see this room or whatever venue you choose filled with friends that you worship with. Because friends make the good times better and the bad times more bearable. I remember a couple years ago, standing at my, my father-in-law's funeral in Topeka, Kansas. We're there with my wife and we're, we're four hours away. And we're surrounded by all these friends we grew up with. But we hadn't, hadn't really been in contact with them for a while. And, and I will never, for as long as I live, I will never forget standing next to Angie in the foyer and seeing two carloads of our Christian chapel friends who'd driven four hours that morning, come in and just wrap my wife up and give her the biggest hug I've ever seen. And in that moment, my super strong wife who'd held it together for her mom and for everyone else lost it. Why? Because it's the comfort of real friends. It brings peace, it brings safety, it brings security, it brings the freedom to just be yourself in those moments. This is what Paul had. This is what Christ provides. Let's not settle for anything less. If you feel alone and isolated this morning, God has a better plan. And as you receive his grace in your heart and begin to extend it to others, he will begin to develop these connections with others in your life that will be an immense source of strength, encouragement, and comfort. We were not meant to live life alone. If you'll stand with me, I want to pray for you, and then the band's going to lead us in a final song. Lord, we thank you for your grace that's been extended to us. We thank you that you have not only restored our connection with you, but with each other. So Lord, I pray for those of us who are here this morning who have been so tremendously blessed with dear friends. Lord, may we not take that for granted, but may we recognize that as a gift of your grace that's been extended to us. And Lord, I pray especially for those this morning who do not identify with that experience right now. They do not feel that connection to others. That loneliness and isolation are their companions pray this morning that you would bring encouragement to their hearts, that you would remind them you have not created them to be alone. Lord, that you would begin to open doors of friendship and that your spirit would give them the courage to walk through it. Help us, Jesus, to not settle for less than you've offered. And when the enemy attacks us and tries to separate us, Help us to work in the power of your spirit to be drawn back together, to love one another, to care for each other, to celebrate our victories and to mourn our failures. Lord, we thank you for the strength that is found in you and in one another. We ask today that you would bind our hearts to you again and open our hearts to others. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.